Hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses and this podcast is just us chatting as we often do about anything and everything property. And before we do get into the chat, I think we should just say a very quick thank you to possibly our listener in Belgium because that's uh, that's that's popped up on our uh, ratings this week and, and hopefully it'll be more than one. That's why we've hit the charts in Belgium. So thank you for that. How we've achieved that, I, d- I don't know, but uh, yes. Yes, we're, we're very pleased with the result. It's brilliant news. Um, what we were actually talking about before this uh, recording was property courses and what either of us have done. And Simon, you were talking about having done a course five years ago for the National Land Laws Association, as it was. Yep. This was a, uh, a an accreditation course that they were doing for a while. So there were lots of noises around there being requirements for landlords to to be on a register and sign up for for some government tracking and at the time the nla were were trying to push forwards their uh, sort of industry solution to preempt government coming along and, and wanted to do anything and one of the parts of that that they were doing was pushing a a landlord certification that they were were managing and, and providing courses for. They provided in-person courses that you could you could pay for to attend. I think there were two-day courses, perhaps, and a few hundred pounds, something something in that region. Being, being cheap, of course, I chose against going and, and doing that. But, Obviously. Um, <laughs> and they also offered an online version, which was free. And I, I went through that, that process. There were quite a few different lessons and topics and subjects but it was all around the legal requirements and the the compliance um, necessary to self-manage property as a landlord and um and i did go through all that process and there was a, a test at the end which i went through and, and managed to pass and they, they sent me a lovely certificate in the post saying i was a, a certified landlord and the theory was that once you've got that qualification by maintaining your membership of the the nla you could, oh, sorry, by maintaining your membership of the NLA and logging sort of professional development time every month or every year, I can't remember quite how it was run, uh, you could maintain that then without going back through the, the course, the, the full course. So to maintain your professional development, you could record the time it took you to read the NLA's magazine, um, which was, was a nice, easy one. And then every Every so often, there'd be sort of update courses as well that you'd, you'd need to, to go through and record that as professional development time that would, would count towards it. Unfortunately, I didn't keep this up. So I, I maintained my certified landlord status, I think, for a couple of years, and then it, it sort of fell by the wayside. And I don't actually know if they're even still doing it now. Of course, the, the NLA has now merged with the, the RLA, I think it was, and they're now the NRLA, hopefully. Um, yeah. And um, and I don't know what they're they're actually offering now in the way of certification courses. If if they do do anything like that at all, um, I should I should have a look. Perhaps if we planned these episodes or or these these chats at all, we could have had a look in advance. But never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah, my my sort of property training has only been in the context of very I don't know legal compliance mm. based stuff rather than the typical property training that you imagine when you you mention property training which of course is the get rich quick type property training or perhaps the more reasonable 
get rich but a bit slower property training um that, that sort of fits more in, in in the middle and i think Stuart, you you have actually done some of some of that kind of training a bit so what, what did you what did you do yeah I, well firstly i just want to say i think the training you've done I, th- I think is some of the most important training we could potentially do i i know from my own perspective when i first started out it wasn't interested i thought i would just outsource all of the elements to letting agents estate agents and all of the other you know roles that we that we have in in terms of the property but I think I've come full circle now and I realise it's still really important to, to understand what 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 the rules and regulations are, at least at the, the highest level, so that we have some sort of cognizance. Yeah, I mean, in actual fact, some of the rules, although you can ask your letting agent or managing agent to look after the practicalities for you, some of them you cannot pass the responsibility on. Ultimately, you remain responsible. Mm. Um, so really you have a legal requirement to to check that your agent is actually performing those those tasks appropriately and and if they're not you're liable yeah and if and if you haven't checked that they're they're doing it correctly and, and they they mess up you're the one who gets into trouble not them that's it the buck the buck will always stop with us if we are the property owner because it's incumbent on us yeah and i think actually you, you before we start recording perhaps before we get onto your your training experience as well you mentioned that you're or you have been doing some more active management just recently on, on one of your properties. Yeah, so it's on the um, on the the studio flat that we've got in Kingston. That's that was the property where at the breakout of COVID we had a disappearing tenant who's gone MIA, MIA never to be seen again. But I'm, I'm sure he's safe and well. He left the uh, him and his partner left the studio flat in a reasonable state. So I think everything's okay. But that meant the property's empty, but we were going to sell it anyway, so it's on the market. But given that it's now been empty for a couple of months, we thought, why not just get someone in there for a, a short term, three to six months, which sits outside of the AST. It's more of a short term agreement, which I'm still looking at the details of. But we've used software called uh, Visum or Visum, have you mm. uh, pronounce it this is not what i've come across before so yes i'm interested to hear how, how this went and what it's done for you well in terms of the software it's a very very simple software to use the fee for listing a property was 90 pounds i believe that was including that but either way that's if you compare it against zoopla which which i did because we were very close to selling our property on zoopla and the the challenge with Zoopla was that um, if you if you're selling, it's a lifetime agreement. So if if you don't sell the property, you're still going to pay them. But anyway, similar fees applied. However, Visum, uh, Visum you just pay that one off fee, and then you market the property. So we we've had the photos. We already had the photos from the sale of the property. Um, we haven't uh, received any communication to say that that's not okay from the estate agent. So we're pressing ahead with that. However, we had in three days almost 50 inquiries. And as we know, not every inquiry is a, a bona fide one. And what's really good about the Visum is you can set up an automated response. So the first response that, that anyone would get was just to be clear, you do know this is a three to six month term, no longer because the property's on the market, et cetera, et cetera. And that actually weeded out whatever it would have been 10 to 15% of the inquiries. So that was really good. And then of the 
circa 50 inquiries, I'd arranged 12, about 12, yeah, 12 viewings for uh, the previous Saturday morning and then stopped there. We couldn't take any more inquiries. And, you know, there's a, there is a lot of management involved there. So, you know, I do realise that uh, letting agencies, state agents do uh, earn their corn in terms of the, you know, that funneling down process and the overall operational element. But then we had 12 viewings and then the, the very first viewing, I knew she was very keen because she'd driven from Hampshire, the new forest, to be there. And it sent me a couple of texts because originally she was going to be there at 12. She said, but will it be first come, first served? And I said, probably. So she then rearranged to be first, which I mm-hmm. saw as a very good sign. So she offered on the property. And then the next two viewings did, one of which was virtual, actually. So did a a, a FaceTime viewing. And she was really keen. She was very surprised that the property looked exactly the same in real life as it did on the photos, which... <laughs> well, I, not, not quite real life if it's a virtual viewing. I mean, surely that's <laughs> even more. The photos look just like this photo you're currently beaming to me. I mean, surely that's not, not that big a surprise. <laughs> well, it's a video. It says she's seeing it in real real time. I think... Yeah, yeah. But the, for me, the point was, it just shows that obviously when people go to view properties that particularly for letting we know that some photos and we all do it some photos were from five years ago when you first refurbed and dressed the property so I was, it was quite nice that I could say no this was this of course this looks exactly the same why would it be anything else so bottom line is yeah we have someone that would I'm just following through the process of letting the property to and touch wood so far it's been a really good process and of course has taken more of my time but you know, that's just for an upfront fee of £90 and then you know, we'll work out the rest. Mm. So that's, that's 90 quid for the, the lifetime of this listing, presumably. So once once this listing is all over and you've you finished the, the rental process, then then that's, that's done. You would have to pay again if you listed it again. Well, there is a 90-day time limit on it and i yeah so if it falls through then you can relist presumably within that yeah within that 90 days but essentially the answer to your question is yes Mm. so yeah i think that's how it works does it include anything else within that do they help you set up the contract or do anything like that yeah they've got options for all of that and i think there's i think the contract element is free but like i say we because it's going to be very short term so again obviously i've been very upfront exactly you probably don't fit their standard (laughs) no contracts mm. and i've been very upfront with every tenant and you know once they passed the first inquiry i then said you know just just so you know that the property is up for sale but i'm i'm sure even if we were to agree sale tomorrow the period would be at least three months but then after that it's got to be one month rolling and you know, so they were all all fine on that but yeah so it doesn't fit the standard ast contract template I'll be interested to hear what you work out as the the correct contract for for that, because my my knowledge of the of shorter term lets is pretty much zero. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, be interesting to know what what you end up with. How, presumably, I think you said a few minutes ago you haven't worked that out yet, or or did I miss that? No, you're right. I haven't worked that out yet. Uh, I have looked online uh, at a couple of things, but. From my understanding, just a, a basic contract will cover that, even a letter. But like I say, I'm still going through the, the tenant check process, again, which is a bit not as probably not as thorough as you would follow for if it were going to be an AST. 
number one, I've met the people eyeball to eyeball, mm. had conversations with them. I've got ID and I've also requested a letter from their employer. But um, are you doing the, the sort of credit checks, if you like, yourself then, rather than paying for uh, someone else to do those? Well, I can do the credit check, but because this is short term, I'm asking for a month's deposit plus a month's rent up front. Mm-hmm. So worst case scenario, there's already two months there and there's only one yep. more month. And given the property has been empty for yeah, f- three months while we were sorting it out and then putting it on the market, it's not something which concerns me greatly. The only thing that concerns me is if yeah, whoever's in the property then decided they liked it so much they were going to stay and not move out of the property. That's that's the mm. concern. However, again, I know we don't know, but I've met the prospective tenant. She's uh, you know she works for yeah a very reputable organisation. She's doing a master's degree. So in terms of my own personal psychographic profiling, she's okay. If that Good counts kid. for anything, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think it often does. I mean. I haven't always found my own tenants, but I, I have a few times. And I think it is, there, there is a reasonable amount you can tell from meeting someone and talking to them. And personally for me, I always try and meet them a second time in their own current property. So you can sort of mm. see how they, how they look after things currently. And that's a really I good idea. A, a, a good guide as to what you might expect. Yeah. That's a really good tip that if, uh, if your person's coming from from Hampshire, though, you, you perhaps don't want to trek all the way there to to do no. that. No, <laughs> I mean I like the New Forest, but I don't have any plans to go there anytime in the next couple of weeks. So at the moment, this flat is dressed. Um, are you letting it furnished with those furnishings, or are you taking those away, or what? Yeah, it's fully furnished. And the interesting thing is, and a couple of the prospective uh, tenants or, or the the viewers were also surprised that there were so many people interested because we were you know, overt about the short-term nature of it. And like I say, I would say we probably had 30 inquiries that would have been more than happy to take a three to six month term, which was a surprise. So that's, that's a learning. Yeah. I'm quite surprised by that too. And the reason is because a lot of them were in between things. So a lot of them were looking for properties. I'd say a large proportion, certainly the few that were, that made offers were uh, in between looking f- to purchase a property. So the the furnished option was was exactly what they needed. So every time I asked the question, I said, Look, are you happy for the furniture to stay? They, they were all more than happy and actually very pleased that it came with furniture because it just took a lot of thinking away from them. It was just, uh, to use a Boris Johnson term, an oven-ready flat. <laughs> I'm not sure you want to be associated with that term because uh, <laughs> that, that might actually suggest in a few uh, few months' time you're going to turn around and change it all completely, <laughs> probably breaking your contract at the time. <laughs> no, no, I don't renege. That's one thing we don't do. We we stick to this. We were going to talk about property courses on this on this well, episode. We were, but I don't think we've quite finished this one yet. Actually, so um, you you were saying you needed to. Or you were wondering what the sort of official process was around this or should be around this. Mm. And presumably you haven't quite concluded that yet because um, you haven't, haven't quite worked out what the contract's going to be. You haven't quite worked out the, the deposits and, and rents situation. Presumably you haven't taken a holding deposit or anything like that yet, have you? Or? No. So 
Well, I, I have, I have a, a business partner that has done this on one of our properties, but he managed that process. And because of the short-term nature of it, I don't believe we need to follow the, the tenancy deposit scheme, TDS. So in terms of deposit, what I'm looking at at the moment is simply taking a month's rent up front as a deposit. I'll put that aside in a safe account, you know, subject to reviewing what I legally need to do and protecting the tenant's rights, et cetera, and take a month's rent up front. Mm-hmm. Like I say, because this is only a three-month term, I think it's in the interest of everyone that we keep it as uh, in a situation where we can be, keep it as fluid as possible because likewise she might find somewhere to live in two months and, and need to, to move fairly rapidly. So, Yeah, I mean, I suppose this is kind of akin to uh, serviced accommodation type agreements. Exactly. And often they're, they're done to sort of businesses and corporates and that sort of thing on sort of a few months rather than just a few nights or days or weeks yeah. or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's lots of people clearly do do this. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because that's exactly how we're approaching it. So I'm approaching it as a service accommodation, and uh, in in regards to the contract and everything else, so that's that's what I'm following. Are you going to provide cleaning and? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> <laughs> not, not not fully serviced then. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, so serviced only in the in the. Uh, in the respect that it's it's going to be very short term that's it mm-hmm. so what one other thing i'm interested about is how did you handle the the remainder of the viewings you had booked did you did you then once you sort of had three people three offers and chosen the first one did you phone up the others and say actually don't bother coming or did you let them turn up and show them around or what did you do there it, it's a really good question because it was actually a bit of a dilemma at the time because Having conducted three viewings and had three offers, I thought, well, if it's a first come, first serve, I've already got three that I need to work with. And I still had another nine viewings. I decided that what would be fairest was not to cancel the next two because they were within the next 30 minutes. And I knew that some people were traveling, not from huge distances, but from from Wimbledon or wherever, but, but still a bit of a drive on a Saturday afternoon. So... What my approach was, I felt was fairest. I didn't cancel the next two, but then I contacted everyone thereafter. So I phoned them all in the first instance, and most of whom I spoke with, and just said, "I'm really sorry. We've already had four offers, three three offers, and in fact, we got a fourth when another one came in." And I said, "So, unfortunately, the property is no longer available." And a couple of them said, "Oh, well, we're just on our way." And I said, "I appreciate that, but..." it's yeah i said it's up to you you could come and view the property but it won't be available so maybe you know you can have some time back on your a lovely saturday afternoon and enjoy it and then the next two as soon as they arrived at the property i just made sure i said up front i said look just so we're completely clear i have had three offers already and they will be dealt with on a first come first serve basis so uh so you're aware and they said okay thanks for letting us know can we still have a look around interestingly actually one of the guys so had a, a conversation with him. He was a surgeon at a hospital, local hospital, and we do have some doctors that come to the flat. And I said to him, because just thinking about how I might help him in some other way, I said, you know, what are you looking for? And he said, well, actually, I'm I'm looking to buy a place, and this is just a, a stopgap. And I said, oh, what kind of flat are you looking for? And he just pointed at my flat. <laughs> and I said, okay, because it is also for sale. So... <laughs> So we then started having a conversation and he's currently 
deciding whether or not it's something he would like to make an offer on to purchase. That that was quite interesting. How how to sell a flat? Advertise it for rent? Yeah, I know. <laughs> not not the obvious answer you'd expect. Not, not your standard approach, is it? Did it, did you get anyone come along and when you said you've already had three offers and it's probably already gone? Did anyone say ah? But have you had an offer this big <laughs> and uh, try and uh, try and increase the rent? Well, for better or worse, Simon, in these situations, as much as let's just say someone in my family was saying, oh, you should just take a bigger offer. And not that um, not that she wanted to, because we, we actually included bills as well. So that's the other thing. So it's partly service. We've included mm. we've included yep. the utilities. And it is it is generally a very good offer. It's one of those where mm, I should have put it out for 50 quid more. But hey, ho, <laughs> <laughs> you, you live and learn. Um, one guy did turn up. So he was just uh, look. He was on a three month contract with his company. They just sent him out to to London. So he was looking around, and he said, oh, "I'm really like the flat." And I said, "Look, unfortunately, I said you are number two. So if anything happens, I will call you. That's a promise." It's a couple of hours later. He did call me and said, "Look, I've thought about it. I really want your flat. <laughs> so what do I need to offer to get it?" Which of course, tests one's values and commitments to one's values. But I, for, for better or worse, I have to live by my values. And I said to him, Look, I'm really sorry. I have already accepted an offer and therefore I wouldn't, I wouldn't renege on that offer. Equally, you know, I, I really appreciate you, you coming back. So don't, don't, because don't, he was then apologetic. Oh, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have put you in there. I said, look, it's fine. I said, you've, you've got to do what you can. However, you know, I always think about both sides. So if the shoe were on the other foot, you know, you wouldn't feel great either. And but you know, that's just how I think in terms of approach. Very honourable of you, I think. So <laughs> a good way, good way to behave. I mean, it it would be different if you hadn't actually accepted that first offer. Then obviously you're still sort of waiting for offers and considering things. But yeah, once you've said, right, that's a good offer. I'll accept it, and we'll proceed with. Uh, referencing and what have you, then, then yeah, I, I think that's the right thing to do, isn't it? To, yeah, to, to stick that, with that. That's a good point. I mean, I could have just taken the offers, as in said, okay, I'll I'll take your offer, but let me see everyone else. However, having met the tenant, really liked the tenant, and her being very, you know, very positive about the property and showing a lot of commitment in terms of, you know, she'd brought the ID with her. She was showing me ID. I thought she wants the property. I'd like to give it to her. So I'm going to accept it. You're right. If I, if, if I were approaching it as a hard nosed businessman, which I probably should have done, I would have said, okay, I'll, I'll take your offer. I'll just see how the, the rest of viewings goes. But I had already said to people, it'll be first come first served. So. Yeah, that's fair enough. And once you say that you, you've got to stick with it. So I think that's, yeah. that's sensible. Do you know what kind of accommodation she's coming from? I don't. I don't. We didn't have that conversation. I, oh, I, sorry, I do. She's currently living with her mum. So okay. essentially she was at university in the in, in the Kingston area. And since lockdown, she'd moved back out and back home as a obviously an interim solution. And yep. then decided she wanted to buy. I, you know, there might have been some other personal things going on, but I wasn't aware of. But I... I believe you know that was the situation and you know and having met her uh, yeah more than happy to progress cool well I hope that all works out okay um we'll have to uh, get an update on that once um 
actually that's that's the last point actually i was gonna say once they've moved in but um when are they wanting to move in how how quickly are you expecting this to to happen well asap so they want to move in quite rapidly it's 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 ready to go i nearly said oven ready again it's (laughs) it's ready it's ready to go so i just want to make sure i've got this letter from the employer just to just make me feel comfortable and i do I, I do already, but I thought let's just follow some procedure. And once we've got that, it, it, I would imagine it'll be within the week. Cool. So hopefully it won't be too long before we can come back and, and get an update on on how that's all all going. So that'd be cool. Yeah, hmm. definitely. So we were supposed to be talking about property training in this episode, and we've kind of run out of time already. <laughs> we have. So should we go for a, a really long episode or should we park that for, for finishing the discussion next week? What do you think, I think, Stuart? I think, I think we're going to have to cliffhang it and go to next week. <laughs> Excellent. Well, in that case, then, do you want to uh, do you want to finish up for this week, Stuart? Yeah. Well, firstly, just thank you to everyone for listening to the show. We do appreciate your support and it's great to see our listener numbers increasing. If you've got any feedback whatsoever, please do reach out to us. And you can also find all of the show notes and any links related to what we talk about on thebusinessofproperty.com. And thanks once again to our Belgium followers. We appreciate you. Until the next time. <laughs>